Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality, and we're so glad you're here. This is a viewer and listener supported podcast, so we greatly appreciate your support. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Be sure and like, share, and subscribe to any of the social media content platforms that you're using. And then if you go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, you can make a one-time donation or with a monthly subscription, you'll gain access to our bonus content. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. We're glad you're tuning in for this episode. And today I'm so excited to have Sam Wells with us. And by the way, Sam, we've been, I don't know how many episodes we've done now, but over two years worth of episodes. Yeah. And we've only had a couple of people back more than once. Not because they haven't been great guests, but just because um, I get excited to have my favorites back. (laughs) I'm honored. Yeah. That's so kind. Yeah, yeah, my favorites. So (laughs) anyway. Thanks for having me back. uh, Yeah, and I'm so thankful that you did. Yeah. So I'm going to encourage people, you can go back and listen to my first interview with Sam, which was two years ago. And uh, about the same time, two years ago, probably roughly April, March Mm -hmm. or April 2021. Yeah. And we kind of did your backstory. And it was fun to learn that you were a Disney princess. And I said you were the first Disney princess interview I'd ever done and still the only one that I've ever done. Yeah. What an honor. <laughs> so, uh, any rate, and then yeah. and we talked about you had come out with a um, a EP mm-hmm. during COVID. Yep. For the deflated. Yep. Which I loved, and Thank then you. also Matt Cox, my producer, was the one that connected us because he had done a uh, what was it called, Matt? The blind blind, blind covers. covers with yeah. you a few years ago. Oh yeah. Which was really fun too. Incredible. I, yeah. So any rate, people Yay. can check you out musically, but let's, let's kind of update, you know, lots of, lots has happened in the last two years in yeah. your life. Yeah. And why don't you update us as to <laughs> however you would want to do that? I w- I'm curious, to, you know, update whatever you're comfortable with your personal life, but then also kind of want to hear a little bit about maybe your spiritual journey yeah. where you, where you are. You know, what's emerging here in these last couple of years with you? That's really incredible um, to have such a stark contrast because I feel like my life has changed so drastically in the last two years. As like through COVID, I think everyone's did. But um, when you last saw me, I was married. I was working for the church. I was um, very um, devout in my reconstruction of Christianity for myself. And it's, it's so interesting to be two years removed and now like, going through a separation where my husband, my ex-husband is so happy where he is in like Sacramento and has like moved on to um, other relationships that are just super fulfilling for him. So to have that already kind of be into its own fruition and to no longer be working for the church, which is a new development, um, but instead like being able to fully full-time pursue music as my career and passion and to be in the second or third wave of my deconstruction to reconstruction spiritual journey. Um, a lot has changed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to dive in, but it's, it's interesting. Um, 
Carrie, who is my ex-husband, okay. um, he and I started having conversations about what the future would look like in uh, June, uh, May of 2021. And we ended up separating in July, August of 2021. And that was like right after a three year anniversary, which turns out like statistically for relationships, your three year mark is about where you, the limerence wears off and you really start to like, okay, how do we do this as full people without all of the rose colored glasses and like, what do we look like? And I think it was really interesting to both decide that we still loved each other and still cared for each other, but like to make the adult decision and reconciliation that like we got married in our early twenties and didn't consider what it looked like to like have um, true compatibility as mm. partners and as lovers and as um, friends mm. in, in and of itself. And so uh, a huge honor of my life to be able to still call someone who I did so much life with um, one of my dearest friends and also still to be able to come outside of a marriage and like have so much support and joy and love for one another. That's been really cool. Also, it probably helped that like in that time frame, I was like, maybe I'm gay. <laughs> and so for us to kind of, he was so supportive in those conversations and being able to unpack that with me. And I think for myself now, the term that I um, have adopted and identified and feel the most safe with is just queer, where it's like, I think it doesn't really matter what gender expression or identity or um, assigned at birth uh, you were. I, if you're funny and kind and cute, I will love you. So that's fun. That was a huge part of embracing the part of my identity that felt disconnected mm. and um, felt like a lot of shame and guilt. I, I would not have been able to unpack that and look at that with the kindness for myself were it not for Carrie being my husband when he was. Mm. And so that's just been a huge honor. And that leads into all the rest of it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a huge blessing mm -hmm. that you were able to process those issues so early in your marriage. Yes. Um, I got I I I got married at twenty one. Yeah. And had a very rigid uh, anti-divorce belief system, yeah, like so strong in me mm. that even though there were issues early on, mm. uh, I, you know, really tried to make the best of them for the next 35 years. Yeah. Divorce was not an acceptable <laughs> it just, answer. It just wasn't in my, yeah. I wouldn't even allow it into my brain stem. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Did it feel like, um, uh, no matter what happened and like, no matter what hardships or like hurt that was happening, divorce was worse than all of that. I felt that way because of my belief system. Sure. Um, and I, I wouldn't feel like that now. That's why I can say now to you yeah. that it's, I think it's actually a blessing that yeah. you, you were able to process through that and that it's cool that it's worked out well for both of you. Yeah. Right. I think we still think, count it as a successful marriage, yeah. even with ending. Yeah. Because we were able to come out of it. I think that's really together. awesome that you were able to do that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, thankful for you. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm also interested mm. in the queer thing. You know, I've yeah. interviewed quite a few people from the LGBTQ community. Yes. And one of the things I've always asked people who are willing to talk about this, right? Which most of the people I interview are, are way, out, way out in the open. Right? <laughs> Ready to talk. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm like going, so 
how early on did you first have, and sometimes I'm asking the question, same-sex attraction? Mm -hmm. Sure. I, and But I'm curious, how did that emerge for you? Oh, sure. Uh, how early in life did you have yeah. questions around all that. of that? I hit the mic. Around all of that... Uh, you know, sexual identity is such a confusing thing yeah. for any human being, yep. even if you're heterosexual, mm -hmm. right? Well, just like all of the emotions and hormones yeah. racing. Yeah, exactly. Trying to navigate right. this as so a kid. So it's not it's easy crazy. for for anybody. But nope. then if you put a culture, you know, we grow up in a culture that's, you know, pretty, pretty like binary. Like, yeah. You know, you're either, you're, you're, yeah. we, we grow up in a cisgendered culture. Yeah. That. Good job. You know, I'm learning all these vocabulary words <laughs> at my old age, right? Uh, Incredible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so we grow up in that kind of culture. So it can be even, I think, even more more challenging mm. when you're trying to navigate, um, yeah, that stuff. So how something I'm like that de deviates from the yeah, norm? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Um, I. Now that I've unpacked a lot, uh -huh. I recognize a lot of where my signs were. It's really funny that uh, I can remember now my mom asking while I was like in middle school or in high school, like, are you sure you're not a lesbian? And I think that's such an interesting thing for like a parent to ask a daughter. <laughs> but I, I do recognize she was seeing my expression of myself and my expression of love from like an outside perspective. And for me, it was just loving my friends. But mm -hmm. uh, if we're being very, very honest and I like dig back, I had an entire like headboard wall situation of Miley Cyrus, like Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus in middle school. And then on the longer large wall, just two pictures of uh, Chris Brown and Zac Efron but an entire wall dedicated to Miley. And I think that teeters on like, do I wanna be you or do I want to kiss you? And like when you're in middle school, you're not really asking yourself those questions. But I think the tell sign is that like, I had this like deep connection to that like entity of a celebrity mm -hmm. um, far more than I did to any of the like male celebrities. Mm -hmm. And that can be like, how did you connect? But like mm -hmm. very early on, really subtle signs. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's interesting to like reflect on now because I think every best friend I've ever had, I've fallen in love with and mm -hmm. just had like, I I'm, I'm learning that the different expressions of love and the different like, um, types of love that relationships can offer. But like, I look back at my like oldest friends and like the way that I just would, would do anything for them, but also would like love to be embraced by them, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's where that like difference happens where mm -hmm. my mom was asking, are you sure or not? Which she comes from a, of like a rather conservative Christian background as mm -hmm. well. So even the fact that she was asking, I know was more out of like concern of like, should we talk about this? But like, she would come in to the living room and we're watching a movie and my friends and I was like, legs are just like dangled and intertwined or we're like, we're like caressing hair. And I didn't know that that's not normal. Mm. the whole time. I didn't know that that wasn't just like how young girls interacted with their friends. I thought that was just like, we just love each other. So mm -hmm. this is how you do this. And there was like, not a lot of breaches of like direct, like sexual intimacy growing mm -hmm. up, but just like a lot of tenderness and gentleness. And it wasn't until like my high school uh, time where I like started to think about like, hmm, 
maybe oh maybe I'll kiss girls at parties because it's like ha and I'm like a teen exploring my sexuality but even then I think because of my church background it was really hard for me to reconcile it's okay that I just want to kiss girls I don't have to say that it's for the boys to want to kiss girls but that was how I reconciled it through that yeah. time frame. So it was very easy for me, even in entering my marriage and conversations with um, uh, Carrie then, early on I was like kind of scared because we were both in the church and his father was a pastor and very conservative, but even then still having the wherewithal to say, you know, if you were a woman, I still would have married you, right? And like testing those waters, like if you were a lady, I still would very much enjoy being married to you. So he kind of knew that mm. tension that I was experiencing. And yeah. it wasn't until really unraveling in that safe space that our marriage created, mm. um, the ability to be able to say like, I'm grieving that I didn't get to earnestly pursue or express this side of myself because it was less about um i want to go kiss girls because i did that and it was less about like i want to go be intimate with them and like explore what it looks like for two women to be together in a relationship it was more grieving the fact that i had wrapped so much of my desire and attraction to women in shame and like um guilt that when he started to allow me space to like like have the conversation and talk about the desire. And like, I went and I, I, I realized like, I'd never told my mom that I was attracted to women and it was like a big deal. And I like left one night to be like, I got to tell my mom. And I drove all the way to Leavenworth to like, let her know. <laughs> and my mom was like, but you're still married. Right. And I'm like, yeah, you just got to know I like women too. <laughs> and it was just this like liberation of, I need to feel like I can express myself whether it be desires or attraction or hurt in its fullness and feel accepted by the people I'm choosing to have in my life. Mm. Yeah. Who was, who wrote the, I kissed a girl and I liked it. Katy Perry. Katy Perry. That's oh, what yeah. I was thinking. Pivotal. Which, what year did that come out? What like? I think it's 2009 eight? or 2008, okay. 2009. All right. All right. And I know that yeah. because I clocked it and I was like, I thought that was such a clever way to, yeah. talk about I mean to sing about that yeah you know? it's like <laughs> well even then in the juxtaposition of the song for for her to say like I hope my boyfriend doesn't mind right, it. right. where it's, she's like here's the qualifier I do have a boyfriend and then it's like uh. the questions around like well is that infidelity if if it's just playful and you're just talking about like oh well I just kissed a girl I wasn't like pursuing a relationship with her there was a lot of conversations around that uh -huh. from that I could understand in the whether or not yeah it was okay right and even then a lot of my friends being like, well, if I kissed a girl, which half of us have now come out as being like queer. So it's very interesting, but like to our significant others, well, like if I kissed a girl, would that be considered cheating to you? And the mm -hmm. amount of men that are like, no, is absurd mm -hmm. because it's still intimate physical contact with someone who's not your mutually exclusive partner. Mm -hmm. All things that are available yes. to be unpacked yeah. with a therapist. Right, exactly. Yeah, good, <laughs> good uh, footnote there. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I shared with you in our bonus questions, by the way, for those of you who are listening, if you're not a part of our uh, support team, mm -hmm. uh, our patrons, monthly support, we encourage you to do that because we do yeah. all kinds of great bonus content. I had a lot of fun with those questions. Questions and music and all kinds of fun stuff. Yes. So, but... In the bonus content, I mentioned that I am revisiting sexual ethics, right? And so I've got a whole uh, bunch of books that I'm 
like exploring and reading and it's kind of fun. But I realized that I grew up in a shame-based sexual ethic. Yep, same. And then I tried to live by that and I failed by that. (laughs) And I felt horribly guilty and shamed by that to the point where I almost wanted to kill myself. I mean, like this is like, like dark, dark. And what's interesting is that some of the folks that I've interviewed particularly men who grew up like I did yeah. in that, that ethic who were gay. Yeah. They hated themselves. Like I've interviewed a lot of guys. I mean, Calvin, our friend who yeah. I've interviewed has shared this publicly. He, he hated himself. He tried to pray the gay away for years and years. Yeah. And he finally just, you know, like, well, I think God loves me. So I'm going to love me, you know, that kind of an idea. And he just let it go. And then it's really, you know, it's been freeing to him. Right. Um, and he's, you know, he's 30, 31, mm-hmm. but I've interviewed guys my age, like 60, 61 too. I'm 62. Yeah. They, they had a harder time working through that because it was a we different didn't world. talk about this yeah. stuff. I look back in my high school career and I I can think of one friend that I had that is, that is out and now gay. Was, were they out and gay then? No way. He would have never, he was on my track team. He would have never come out during that era. This was like dangerous. It was dangerous then. I don't know any guys my age Hmm. that felt safe to come out, you know, as, as young, even in their twenties, most of them, thirties, you know, so um, so it's painful, actually, because of the this, the shame that surrounded that, and then the you know the uh, the religious belief systems that can surround that. Shame so is not a successful form of birth control. <laughs> holy crud! It's not a. I don't like shame based anything yeah, no. anymore. Um, no. I think there's a big difference between shame and you know feeling guilty for something yeah. that you should or shouldn't have done or whatever, you know? So anyway, um, so I, I think it's, I think it's great. You know, I had a thought along these lines. Um, I've always, you know, God created, Mm -hmm. if you just go with the Bible, Mm -hmm. which we don't have to, but I, I talk to people who don't go by the Bible, you know what I mean? But, um, read it for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've (laughs) read it, talked it, (laughs) taught it a little bit, but yeah. So, um, so, you know, God creates male and female in his image. So God is both, represents both, even though the Bible is largely patriarchal. It's a heavy patriarchal society. Heavy most, heat, yeah. Most of history, you know, if you go back even to the ancient earliest civilizations, most of history has been governed by men right Mm -hmm. so heavily patriarchal and the bible emerged in that sort of patriarchal culture but then you have this god created male and female equally in his image there wasn't one that was subordinate to the other both bear the image although the scripture does equally push that bar of well woman was made of man not just of god and so i think that that's where there's a lot of like 
Yeah, it gets confusing. Sticky separation. But the weird thing is, is where it says when it says she was a helper. Mm. If you look up that Hebrew word all the way through the rest of the Hebrew text, mm. God is a helper. He's our helper in time of need. So that same word was used of God. Yeah. And then there's these fem feminine images of God that you can, that are rare, but you can find them. You yeah. know, God's a mother hen and yeah. these different feminine perspectives of God. So, you know, my brain's like going, well, you know, God is gender fluid. Yeah. So why do we get so hung up about How could we gender fluidity? And then if you study the hormonal dynamics and even the chromosomal dynamics now with the best science that's going on, it turns out even the science is pointing toward fluidity, right? Yeah. Gender fluidity. Well, in every other aspect of nature, there's fluidity. Right. So how, how could yeah. it not be with humans as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway. You're diving in. <laughs> You're diving in and I love that. I'm uh, really excited for what that can bring, 62 or not. I think that the ability to be able to accept oneself wholly and completely is timeless and is going yeah. to change the outlook of your life forever. Yeah, I think so. And I think it'll help other people too, I hope, you know, along the way. It better. <laughs> I think it, I think it will. I, yeah. I just have, I've just heard so many stories now. And so the shame. So I'm so thankful that you've been able to process through some of those Absolutely. issues. Yeah and recognize shame for shame yeah. and move past that. Yep. And, 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 and to come full circle in understanding that it doesn't actually matter. Like for me, and I, and I full, I full heartedly understand sexuality as a spectrum for me to just realize that I'm just a lover of humans mm -hmm. and that the bounds that, um, we as like a society need or create, um, to like keep us in a trajectory, um, don't have to apply to me when it comes to how much and how deeply I can love the people around me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all into love mm -hmm. and God, my favorite new verse, you know, I memorized thousands of verses growing up Yeah. and the only one I've memorized the last four years of my whole journey, my yeah. meltdown. And to this day yeah. is first John four sixteen. God is love. Those who live in love, live in God and God lives in them. That's really good. Drop the mic. That's really That's it. good. I like, what if, what if throw we, the rest of the book yeah, out, exactly. just keep that. that. What if we just planted our flag <laughs> right there Yeah. and let that be the lens through which we see the Bible, the world and everything else. I think it would be really beautiful. I think so. So this, this is my new, uh, as long as I have to live left now, this yes. is, this is my new, this is my new journey. I love that. I'm going to yeah. write that down. That's <laughs> good. Especially in my deconstruction, reconstruction, I've been having a lot of conversations and I think that that just to be able to pull something so gentle from scripture, mm. when I feel like I've been really wrapped up in the not so gentle from scripture. Yeah, definitely. That's really lovely. So, Sam Wells, man, where do we want to go from here? Mm, you had some, I feel like the question was a three part. I really, I, I love that I got to talk about the changes in my life and marriage and my sexuality. Um, I would love to like, to, I could, I'm happy to touch on my church experience if that's something that it's, you're, that's especially totally, given this. That's totally 
Yeah, Feels I'd love right. for you to if you feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. Okay. It's, it's interesting because it's still very fresh. So I was working at Church of the Resurrection up until like February, the end of February. And um, it's very funny that I had told myself and I'd really like made the claim for everyone else that Church of the Resurrection was probably the, would probably be the last church that I would ever work at and that I would work there as long as they let me, knowing what they know about who I am and knowing that they know uh, that they did their vetting process when they hired me. Um, so I was like, this is probably the last church I'll ever work at. And then within a month and a half, you got me to go play it. <laughs> so uh, it's funny how the Lord does work. Um, but it's really interesting for me, the hurt that I'm experiencing right now and the, and the, and the uh, unweaving of that like church trauma that I'm, I'm going through has less to do with that of like the religious organization because I think I have a deep understanding right now that the religious organization is humans doing their best to pursue Christ and pursue love of their people. Mm -hmm. And even where there's like a lot of really harmful rhetoric around what loving people means and like the, the harmful rhetoric around um, sin. And if you're living in sin, we're going to love you and not the sin and like that kind of yeah. connotation that like, I've come to hate that yeah. statement. I yeah. even this little new church that I'm, yeah. that I'm teaching. At yeah. Now, I, I even made this comment there. So it's, it's on, on one of my videos now that's up on the website, mm. like love, <clears throat> love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm -hmm. I just, it usually is just an excuse to be mean, yeah. to be cruel, to be judgmental to actually not love at all. Yeah. And so I've just gotten where I just, it makes me cringe now to hear people yeah. say that because I've watched how it's. I think it's interesting how even that phrase ends with hate. So you could say hate the sin, but love the sinner. And it changes the entire dynamic about what your purpose is. Yeah. But even just at like a, at the barest form, but for the idea that we could say, oh, I love you, but I we, hate everything we, else. We all behave in ways that are healthy and beautiful and wonderful. And, and sometimes we behave in ways that hurt ourselves and sometimes hurt other people. Mm. That's humanity. Mm. And we have to love, if I can't, if you can't love me in, even when I've behaved poorly, then you really don't love me at all. Mm. I, I think that's the whole thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think like, it's easy when we're hurt to be bitter and unforgiving but I was, I had the hardest time forgiving myself yeah. for stuff that I did. But it's like, do I want to live in bitterness and unforgiveness? Heck no. Like that, no, that's who no wants life. to live in that? Mm -mm. I want to live in beauty, forgiveness, grace, creativity, yeah. love. Yeah. I, that's where I want to live. Even if there isn't a God, that's where I want to live. Yeah. You know? At, I, the, at the base form. Yeah. Yeah. Just that's the human path that I love and respect and resonate with the most. Well, so, and that's what I'm unraveling now is yeah. like, how, like, how can we continue to pursue the things that like I've spent my entire life learning and growing through without the, um, fear and shame and guilt, capital G Westernized God that, um, makes me feel like I don't want to exist. Mm. Like I can't like, there's nothing that I can do that would be right or that I, that I could pursue that would be good enough. And so why even try? I feel like I've 
really felt so I, I really put a lot of my anger and frustration onto the church organization, which has its own issues. Believe me. But I think that the real unpacking that I'm experiencing now, as which is different from my first deconstruction, is the God, the creator, the source, the spirit, the universe that I want to pursue that is connectedness. Mm -hmm. Right? Um pursuing love through that sands all of the mm -hmm. icky fear and grossness and shame and guilt and harm, harm, mm -hmm. harm, harm. Mm -hmm. And like how to be a, I say this with church connotations, but like a faithful person, like an honest person, a kindness, like a person who pursues kindness and gentleness and all of the fruits of the spirits, mm -hmm. patience, self-control, how to pursue all of those things from the focal point of, to love deeper, better, and more earnestly. Mm -hmm. That feels like the pursuit of Christ mm -hmm. to me, more so than any of the experiences that I was having, um, diving through scripture where there's like a genocidal God and diving through westernized Christianity that is very shame-based or like the human nature that we have mm -hmm. as sexuality and the human nature that we have as sin or the human yeah. nature that we have as, um, greed and lust mm -hmm. and all of those things, um, feeling like we need really harmful repercussions to choose to be good to people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's interesting, you know, having, I've pastored a lot of people through the years of, of when I pastored vineyard for th almost 30 years, mm. um, about 30% of my people f were from a Catholic background. And of course that, that would be the largest Christian denomination in America. Yeah. And then the second largest would be Southern Baptist. They are the largest Protestant denomination in America. And I had a lot of recovering Catholics, they would call themselves and recovering Southern Baptists, they would call themselves. Well, I grew up Southern Baptist. Yeah. And, you know, just my assessment, I, it could be that there's just more of them, but it seems to be that Catholics and Southern Baptists have the most shame and guilt uh, and, and inner critic, harsh, harsh self-critic, inner critic kind of voice that goes on yeah. because of some of that mm. religious upbringing. Yeah. Um, I, I read a, this, it's a heavy, deep book about this thick by Matthew Fox, who's a, who's a Catholic uh, theologian mystic. Yeah. Very similar along the lines of Richard Rohr type. Love. Catholic Franciscan mystic, mystic lover. Yeah. Um, I love, Fran I've come to love Francis uh, Rohr, or Richard Rohr, Richard Rohr yeah. Franciscan yeah. father. Uh, but Matthew Fox also, and he wrote a book called Original Blessing. Mm. And he, he feels like Western Christianity yeah. planted itself and built itself out of Genesis chapter three, the fall. Mm. The total whole thing. The total depravity and we're sinners and all this horrible, yep. horrible crap and we're going to hell. Jump straight and, to Revelations. <laughs> yeah, and then Jesus, you know, is the you know the rescue plan to from our terrible selves. And then, but he he tries to shift the whole thing to Genesis one two, yeah. creation. And it was good. Creativity, yeah. good, 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 very good. Yeah, that's original goodness, mm. and build our theology out of that, which I can, which I love, right? Yeah, and so. Yeah, so I, I feel like uh, 
that's a huge shift yeah. that I think we need. Mm -hmm. um, so beautiful. Well, how about your music? How does this emerge in your music world? Oh, sure. Yeah, so because so you're so you're kind of rebuilding this philosophy, ethic, theology, yeah. lifestyle yeah. planted in. Still, still uh, knowing of and reminiscent of my roots in Christianity and right. my pursuit of Christ and my pursuit of like being more Christ-like, yeah. I think at its foundation, um, it's been really interesting to have left the church, especially having left the church because of the conflict with my music. Mm -hmm. So there was a tension in my persona as a band leader in my in my um, group project friendly thieves and also my persona as a worship leader at core whereas for anyone who had the light um, opportunity to know me knows that they are were one and the same mm -hmm. and I, there's there's no overlap that you're gonna feel like wait I thought you were a totally different person because I made a very strong point to not hide one or the other mm -hmm. and to decide and in going into my church work when core hired me that mm -hmm. I was like, I, there, I have no interest in compartmentalizing in mm -hmm. deceiving in hiding right. who I am at all points there. I'm just going to be honest and we'll see how long yeah. it lasts. Yeah. Um, and turns out it lasts about two years, year I two. I hope this isn't prophetic because I did the same thing with my current church that yeah. I'm at right now. Well, hopefully, <laughs> anyway. hopefully that, but they're um, pretty, it's a very open loving. Yeah group of people. I think so. it's different when it is your leadership though, because mm. that was the, that was the pushback that I got was if you weren't a leader, we would obviously be more accepting and, um, willing to, yeah. uh, meet you where you are. But as leadership in the church, there's this like, uh, undertone of necessary piousness yeah. where like you can't be a full human lest yeah. it cause other people to stumble. Yeah. Whereas my whole, um, philosophy and my whole ministry at working there was I'm going to be fully human and fully myself mm -hmm. as an invitation for everyone else to actually truly come as they are and be accepted as they are yeah. and to find a space there. Right. And so in that tension of like, Hey, your rock star persona, you use a lot of profanity. Um, we can't have you using profanity to this caliber and also being a worship leader. And my statement was, okay, how does this reconcile going forward? I can definitely make sure we don't do this going forward. And them saying, well, actually we want you to delete all of the past stuff, mm. which feels very much like hiding and like mm. manipulating public perception of who I actually am. Whereas going forward, I can say, yeah, you don't want me to write songs with as much profanity as I have. Okay. I can, I can consider that. I can work as a team and bring that to my band. But the idea that I would have to go back and filter through and hide things felt so inauthentic to who I actually am and to who I want to make sure I'm inviting other people to be mm -hmm. that my only, my only response was to step away. And whereas they were very welcoming and like, we can work on this together. And like, what does it look like for you to just write a little different or for you to like remove those things from social media or for you to do this or that? My instinct was to say, if you don't want me to be a leader as I am in still doing my job well and caring for my people well and being mm -hmm. an earnest yeah. um, believer of, yeah. of the goodness of God, right? Yes. Um, then this is not the place for me. Yeah. 
and to step away was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I made the choice to be like, I'm going to leave this church. And even then my last weekend was just crying because I've dedicated 12 years of my life to this ministry and to um, like being a, a beacon of authenticity in pursuit of Christ and to have that kind of come to the fruition of it's not enough or not, not enough, but mm-hmm. it's not going to work here was just a hard pill to swallow, yeah. especially coming from people in the church who look exactly like me and act like me and write music like me, but are just better at hiding it. And I wasn't willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Because I know like I have a community now that is, that sees all of it and goes good enough. Right. Yeah. I, I wrestled with the leadership thing mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I was always trying to read the Bible and then try to be consistent, you know, cause you know, like you, you have these passages in the Bible where, um, like the elders and the deacons, mm-hmm. or, you know, we call them leaders today yeah. and they, and they actually list, you know, like husband of one wife yeah. or qualifications, know, not, yeah. not, not given to wine mm-hmm. or, you know, these, they have these things you know, that are, that are listed out there. And, um, Mm. so, so I, and I was, I was in a similar situation. I was trying to build this grace-based church who accepted anybody, but then it's like, but if you're going to be a leader in the church, you kind of have to have a little bit together, don't you? Or like be a little bit better than the people that are coming in. Exactly. Exactly. And so I, I wrestled with that and I literally tried to, I had leadership standards. Okay. Well, of course, then you couldn't. Meet I didn't them. live up to my own yeah. leadership standards. Yeah, yeah. And God, and God, you know, yeah. I was, you know, so I, I built this church for, you know, twenty nine years and failed my own leadership standards and sure. was gone. Yeah. Like, and it was horribly painful, and I, I was hugely embarrassed of myself because it got publicized publicly, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, huh. I just want to die, but I can't imagine. coming back at it again. So like I'm in the recovery world, now, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. like I hang out with addicts and alcoholics Sounds every, like Jesus. every week of my life now Sure, <laughs> yeah. for, for three and a half years or so. And what's interesting there is, you know, they, they really do accept everybody right where they're at, yeah. no matter what they're there for them. But, and they have almost zero organization, but just a little bit. So they have the 12 steps and then they have this thing called the 12 traditions and the 12 traditions are basically what they try to build this loosey goosey organization around way more loosey goosey than churches and core and all that stuff. But what's interesting is that there's still a couple, like if you're going to be the financial person Mm -hmm. on the finance team, they want you to have at least one year sobriety. Sure. You know, there's, yeah, it's pretty basic some kind of it's like incentivization as well a little bit of a leadership standard but then if if you're in there and you got one year and then you blow it well they're gonna love you and you know you 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 start your sobriety date over again yeah and then we're there for you you know that kind of thing but i'm like i'm just so i don't i'm really really thinking about well how do we just build true grace-based community period and 
people influence people because they're humans, not because they're better than. Right. Right. What is that? Iron sharpens iron? Yeah. Not diamonds sharpen iron? Yeah. So I have really rethought all of that stuff. You know, I, I tossed everything out the window. <laughs> but what's, you start from scratch. what's interesting, I'm going through a two-year uh, mindful meditation training program, and it's largely Vipassana Buddhism is what I'm training in. Sure. And I've listened to now dozens of Dharma talks, okay? Yeah. And like with my theological brain, you know, I've got a bachelor's degree in theology and a master's degree in theology and a doctorate's degree. And, and then I was working on a second doctorate degree and wow. I've thought my whole life mm -hmm. about God and the Bible and all yeah. these things. And I'm listening to these Dharma talks. I have, there's not one of them yet that I haven't found beautiful. Mm. I'm going like, and I was always one that talked about loving and respecting everybody and loving yeah. and respecting other religions. Is and that the essence of all, Dharma? All truth is God's truth. And so we can learn something from somebody and every, you know, so I can learn from Muslims. I can learn from, you know, Jewish rabbis. I can learn sure. from, you know, Buddhists, from Hindus, from, you know, whatever, you know, um, but still hold to Jesus and follow Jesus and all that kind of stuff. I still, that's still how I think about things, but I'm just, I'm just so funny. Like, like having now listened to dozens and dozens of Dharma talks, I'm like going like, this is like literally a beautiful way to live life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like going, why wouldn't anybody get uptight about this? Like, yeah. If you'd get uptight about the things they talk about, like then I, I would wonder. Yeah. What, what are you pursuing? What, what, what's going on there, you know, yeah. because it's literally like, I heard some of the most beautiful talks in Dharma talks on forgiveness that I've ever heard. Like, and I've taught on forgiveness a lot, but anyway, I'm saying all that to ag agree with your, your uh, yeah. you know, what you just stated. Yeah. And, um, I think we've got to find a way to be authentically human and, and be able to teach and yeah. be authentically human and be able to do music yeah. in community Yeah. because people, even if you blow out the church mm -hmm. and I understand totally why. Mm -hmm. And I, I have groups that I lead now of people that don't go to church, yeah. don't want to have anything to do with church. They've been hurt by church and all that stuff. Yeah. There's still power in community. Yeah. And a lot of people still have a love for Jesus mm. that, that they those two things seem to stick with them, even if they've been hurt and gone yeah. through religious trauma and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I've been trying to provide these weird spaces for, to like bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and not and not it's not an attempt to try to do anything other than just love and be human. And yeah, identify. You know. Share. Well, I mean, I, I definitely think bridging the gap between I, I what I've found in a lot of people who have left the church is that it's so hard to find just general community. Right. And so they feel like, well, even though I don't really align with what the church believes, I kind of have to be there to just be able to meet people, to be able to connect with other humans that are mm -hmm. going through a similar circumstance or have had similar traumas. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's been more profound for me to have community outside of church that still feels like the essence of what I what I believe the church to be, which mm -hmm. is people who will show up for one another, who will show up for the, the other, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? The mm -hmm. world other and people who will love you through whatever you're going through. And I'm fortunate enough to have had like 
the opportunity to meet those people outside of a church space. Mm -hmm. So the draw to go back and enter into the world of um, westernized Christianity is minimal when I have earnest people who see me authentically and show up as themselves. And we as a community love through that. Yeah. Yeah. I do groups that are that, you know, because of people's experience with religious trauma, we don't do, we don't do Bible or Jesus actually. Mm. We just do what I call spiritual support and meditation. And so what I've, and it's, and it's really beautiful. Right. And, because I'm honoring the the pain that they've gone through. Um, but then it, it builds a, like I, and I've had some of those people come to just pop in just, just because they love me. Yeah. This new little church that I'm at. Yeah. And some of them have said, well, Fred, it felt safe because you were there. And I was like, yeah. Oh, wow. That almost made me cry. Yep. So, what an honor to be able to create a space like that yeah so um music yeah how's this emerging in your music what do you what do you uh what what's going on with friendly thieves it's really funny because i feel like that i had to choose between the two and so now like all of my time and my full dive in has been to like dedicating myself to um, this band's like trajectory and what we're doing and what we're pursuing and, um, terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It's so fun. Um, we leave this weekend to go record our album in Arkansas. And so that's going to be like done by the end of the weekend. And we'll be able to start like launching that to go on our like campaign. We're going on tour this summer and that's to like eight different cities plus um we like booked boulevardia which is a huge thing for a band Mm. that has only been a band for like less than a year um and and it's feeling like it was the right move and the right investment which is something i'm really jazzed about um but i think the like separation of my affiliation with church as a whole has more impact on my personal music than it does on like the band music the band we as a friendly thieves see ourselves as storytellers so it's funk rock and like we know how to throw a party and throw a concert but like the even the whole album that we're recording right now is this Mm -hmm. top to bottom narrative like we're telling an entire story and that's the campaign that we're delivering so even when the church is like we have a problem with this music i'm like we're just telling stories we're just it's like folk turns funk rock so what's the essence of the the narrative yeah it's a it's a (laughs) murder mystery love story gone wrong very um unlikely pairing turns into how do you choose to leave something with as little violence as possible and still not be able to make it out like alive or make Uh, it out whole and so there's this um uh really human like disintegration from the start of Mm -hmm. like the opening song till the final end, which is like a waltz that you get to, which is like what funk rock band is putting a waltz in their album. Mm -hmm. I don't know us, but it's really Mm -hmm. to just, we just wanted to tell stories. So we have like three albums already like lined up with these different narratives that we want to like walk through. We've got titles, we've got campaigns set up for it just because we were like, what would it look like for us to just all five of us to get together to make interesting music that we enjoy and just tell stories through it. Mm. 
Very cool. So it didn't I really, like it doesn't really impact the, the church didn't really impact what the band was creating, but I do feel like my solo writing and my pursuits in my Sam Wells career mm -hmm. have shifted pretty drastically. Mm. Whereas before I, um, felt like I, sh I shouldn't be as, um, what's the word? Um, brutally honest. No, it wasn't even that I felt like I shouldn't be as brutally honest. I had a harder time releasing things. I had a harder time feeling like I could put out music because all of my time and energy was going to writing for the church. I see. Um, and now with that time removed, like I'm working with some really incredible musicians to simultaneously while doing the friendly thieves album, put out my Sam Wells album and like oh, you record. Get, you, and yeah. Are you doing that too? Yes. So there's a, there's a second album coming out as well oh, wow. for that one. So yeah, I don't, Will now I got time. EP or full album. Um, I, I believe it to be a full album. I guess it depends yeah. on what you would call a full yeah, album. I um, never know. I think an EP is four to five songs, right, less than I've 30 heard. minutes. And I think my album at its rate right now has eight songs, 10 if I decide to throw in the two that I'm considering. Mm -hmm. um, but eight songs, so I call it an album. Okay, cool. So you've, um, just so people know, yeah. your Instagram, yes. friendly, at Friendly Thieves. At Friendly Thieves is the band, yes. Is, yeah, you've already- At Friendly Thieves, Casey. You've put some cuts out there yes. off of this, new album that you're recording this weekend. Yes. Right. Yeah. So people can go there. I, I also, you've released one song from that. Yeah. You're, you better October. run. You better run. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, on Spotify, Apple, Everywhere. Bandcamp, all yeah. those places. Um, what cities are you going to tour? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really insane to think about this, but <laughs> we're hitting Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, St. Louis, Nashville, Des Moines, Iowa, Chicago, Hayes, Kansas, and either, this one is like the last leg, so we don't actually know, um, Denver or Colorado Springs. Mm. So we're just doing like this big Midwest circuit. Yeah. Uh, we have this like very kitschy red velvet tour van that uh, the band has like built together, <laughs> um, where it's like shag carpet, ev like the entire interior is red velvet, if you can imagine. I don't know how we're gonna do this for- Is it a VW? <laughs> uh, it's not, I wish it was. No, it's an old Chevy. It's an old, old Chevy, Chevy van. Um, but we are rebuilding that now and we're gonna tour in that. And so all of the tour legs are like, maximum eight hours away, yeah. because we're just like, not sure the van will make it. So you wanna donate to Friendly Thieves, all day, um, but I, but I, I, I do think it's going to be. It's very much leaning to represent those old school, like where you romanticize tour and like you're mm -hmm. just in the artist grind, and we're all jam packed in this sweaty, smelly little van together for weeks on end. And I'm so excited yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of a a jazz funk. You called it what? What did you call it? Funk rock. You called it funk rock. Yeah, it's like a psychedelic funk rock. Yeah. Yeah which touches jazz a little bit, mm -hmm. don't you think? I think I, my voicings mm -hmm. and like the way that I write is probably more centered towards like jazz, mm -hmm. like lounge singer songwriter. And then the band itself supports it with this like alternative rock, psychedelic funk mm -hmm. mashup. Could you ever see yourself playing at the Blue Room in Kansas City or? The Blue I'm, Room. I don't, that's I, jazz, I would that's say we- the historic we, 18th and Vine. We would play but, anywhere, yeah. but I think it would be a disservice to the Blue Room for <laughs> our our band, which is predominantly white men and then me, to enter yeah. into that space and be like, yeah, we're not going to play any kind of jazz, but we'll play our music. <laughs> it might be well, a, 
I don't know. They, you know, like they'll have the UMKC's uh, jazz students. Oh yeah, do they uh, play there? Play there. Oh, that's cool. And it's cool. one of the funnest nights. I, I, what I nights do they do I'm that? I'm a big jazz. Usually Monday night. Monday night is the UMKC, and I have to you just have to out. get on their calendar and yeah. look it up. But I, I, I'm a fan of theirs because I like I like the historic roots of jazz yeah. in America. Is and, it jazz standards or like free form? They, they can play? be both. Oh, yeah. They don't. They're not. They do both. That's cool. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, depending on the night and that kind of thing. But I would say that the um, band could easily step in. We have like a sax player who does baritone, tenor, and then like some flute. And then our bassist and guitarist and a drummer could play literally anything. Uh -huh. It would just be up to me to know the jazz song. Yeah. They could do anything. Where, where, where would you play here in Kansas City? We've actually already played all over, which okay. I think is incredible. Which, um, our, some of the places you've played. We've played... Record Bar, Lemonade Park, Rhino, Mini Bar. We've played, um, what's the other one? I can't, it's, it's falling, it's falling on me. Oh, Ninth and State, um, Manor Records. So a lot of like the local hops, we've played the ship. Um, okay. All of those venues we've been able to yeah. touch on. That's awesome, man. Within this like short year. I love that. I love that. Are, are you aware of any other local bands that are, in a similar space, this, this psychedelic funk? Uh, I'm not. Okay. Which I think I gives, it like lends for a very specific niche for us to fill. Right. I think uh, um, there are some bands that do funk well, and there are lots of bands that do rock well, mm -hmm. and there's lots of bands that do jazz well. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen this particular type of fusion, which is why I'm mm -hmm. so jazzed about being able to be a part of it. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I went and heard them. Band. I know the gal, it's a singer called Solaris. Okay. Do you know that one? No. Okay, it's kind of a funk. They've got a small following. Yeah. Uh, funk, funk band. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's so fun. That is fun. It's yeah. really funny, too, because you'll advertise, or we've advertised You Better Run, which is probably our most, like, mid-tempo, mellow, okay. rock, psychedelic song. And then from that, the album just, like, explodes into, like, this amalgam of like other genres, just like meeting each other really loving, lovely. Mm. And so if you were to go on, we did like some coop, coop sessions, mm -hmm. um, which they operate with like the bridge. Uh, yeah. And that there you can kind of see a little bit more of what we're leaning, but even okay. then it's like three songs and then we've written so much more for the album. So it's really interesting okay. to say, oh yeah, we're like psychedelic alternative funk rock, yeah. but you hear that song and you're like, are you? And I'm, so I'm really jazzed about getting the rest of it out there. Yeah. I've, I've listened to the stuff on Instagram that you've posted, mm -hmm. and then um, I haven't heard the stuff on the bridge though. Yeah, the coop. Yep, we just those so they just dropped okay. like the last within the last two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, one I of the songs to... is titled "Cool," so if you want to go check that one, <laughs> I have to. I definitely have to check that out. Yes. Excellent. Well, fun, fun, fun stuff. Yeah. Um, tell us just a little bit about your own album. Oh yeah. Um, it's called We're Doing Fine, <laughs> which is kind of a play because a lot of the songs are very sad girl, melancholic, reflective that would assume I am not doing fine. Um, but I do have a therapist who's just lovely and has um, done wonders for my brain. Uh, but it's really, I'm, I'm very excited to have this version of my existence and development captured and packaged and like available for people to um, hold 
and um, experience so that I can move forward into mm -hmm. the next uh, leg of my music journey. I find it hard to write more songs while I'm trying to refine the ones that I already have. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing now in my current state of life, I'm far happier and fulfilled and even where I still am just like a little melancholy girl sometimes, um, performing the songs that are coming out on this album, uh, there's a little bit of a disconnect because I feel like I've worked through them so wholeheartedly that I'm able to like move into this next world. But that like snapshot of who I was um, over the last year and a half and that snapshot of like the experience that I had with my ex-husband and through COVID and through my own sexuality to be able to like hold that as like a diary entry that I get to deliver. Mm. I'm really excited about okay. that. I'm really excited to actually be doing fine. <laughs> yeah. And is this uh, Sam doing ukulele or is this, because yes. I've noticed the stuff you've posted yeah. with Friendly Thieves, you're mainly just doing vocals, right? I play my electric ukulele oh, you do? through Friendly Thieves. Yeah, for like half the songs I'm present, okay. but half the songs I throw it back and I'm just a rock star. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with Sam Wells, all ukulele. Okay. Oh, there actually might be one or two tunes that I'm playing guitar on. Those are the two that I'm like, oh, I don't know, should I branch out to guitar? Uh -huh. um, but it's mostly ukulele and then I'm uh, collaborating with um, a cellist named Ooh, Margaret Coker. I've saw, I, I saw you post. She's so phenomenal. And I, she's really allowed me the space to say, can you make this? Like, I want it to sound like this. And then she just does it. She just knows how to, I sing it at her because I do not have enough music knowledge to write out the score for her. But I'm like, can you? Mm -hmm. And I sing and she goes like this and then does it. And so everything that I've ever imagined and heard in my brain for mm -hmm. what my music could be, she is elevated it and made it possible. And so I'm very excited for what the album gets to be now that she, All right. now that we're collaborating. Well, beautiful. So mm. are you going to, you're going to do a song for us now? Yeah, I would love to. All right. And then maybe we'll do a couple. Yeah. One for our bon our bonus content yes. along with those awesome bonus questions we did. Love and it. then one for our our audience right now. Oh, that'll what are you be tough do? to choose for yeah. you guys. Let's do two. What um, are you going to do? I'm doing uh, Time's Running Low, which is actually the song that I worked on with Calvin. Oh, and cool. so I'm very excited about being able to, I say worked on, I basically like played it for him, talked through, asked questions, and he was like, add this, take this away, refine this, and just made the song so good. Mm. Um, so that song, and then the title track of the upcoming album, Doing Fine. Perfect. Cool. All right. Cool. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for having me, Fred. Hi there. I am Sam Wells, and this is my song, Doing Fine. easier to love me when I'm gone. 
not promise tomorrow, just hold me tonight. Rescue my lips, I'll drown my fright. Cause you see through my life. This says I'm doing fine. You know I'm not alright. This concludes today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Remember to like, share, or subscribe to the social media platform that you're using. And then go to our website, spiritualityadventures.com, and make a one-time donation, or you can subscribe monthly and receive our special bonus content. Thanks so much.